series is written and read by Luke Thompson. My dear Professor Prendick, it has been a long time and I hope you will forgive the undoubtedly unwelcome intrusion of your retirement. You understand I would not be writing if it was not urgent. It seems a series of errors have released our dear relations work back into the world. An epidemic has begun, the communicability of which appears more virulent, dare I say, weaponized than before. This morning I received correspondence from the DSTL, apparently oblivious to our background, the islands, our work at the MOS or our dear captain. Either someone has been doing their job well in the wake of that Operation Antler fiasco, or this Wilson is doing his job rather poorly. When the parent oviposited at the house, right beside the old aviaries, he describes it as having absconded here rather than having returned. I will explain my own errors in person if we are able to meet. Implausibly, they begin and end with eBay and an address in Cornwall, where reports of petrifaction and hyperaggression are beginning to emerge in the tabloids. Unless this is part of a bigger play, why Wilson has not embargoed the story is beyond me. So I write to inquire to what extent you are aware of, or indeed involved in, this escape, but also to ask of you a favour. I do not wish to probe too deeply, but if you are still connected to the laboratories, I would appreciate a petition for discretion targeted far above Wilson. You know the scale of what is at stake here. I have no intention of getting involved again, nor of replying to this oblivious official. No doubt we are looking at some adaptation of our cockatrice, presumably related to the DAI-7 in vivo composite. They say they have captured the parent, which of course is the least of their concerns. Most urgent is a problem I think you cannot help me with, but again, perhaps you know the best person to inform. The nest is said to have held six eggs when it arrived in Cornwall. One was lost, presumably hatched, and the root of the petrifaction. The other five were said to have been collected by my couriers some time ago. The problem is, they never arrived. Perhaps I am worrying for nothing. Perhaps Wilson is not the fool I take him for. Perhaps he has it all under control. And since they have developed the communicability of the infection, let us hope they have also developed the antidote. Containment does not seem an option if the worst has already happened. With all best wishes, your friend, Dr McDonough. Thank you very much, Luke, for reading that. That was a, a really exciting addition to the series. I think um, we've, I mean, you, you came directly after me as a writer. And I think together we've kind of blown this whole thing out of Cornwall and, and to a bigger kind of more scientific project that's going on. Um, so do you want to talk a little bit about the context of your letter and where it fits into the series? Yeah, so there's... Um... A few things, I suppose, with it. it. We know, we both knew, I think, when we were writing it, that we were coming towards the end of the series, mm. and we were warned, I think, to, to wrap up. Um, and I'd been thinking about it for a while, because I, I was going to be taking part in it a little bit earlier, I think. Yeah. Um, and so I've been thinking about where I might take it, and I was using a story, or I was using a, a sort of backstory of, um, from H.G. Wells, actually, that Prendick comes from. Uh, the island of Dr. Moreau. Oh, okay. I didn't pick up on that. So I was kind of imagining an, a, a relation of that surviving mm. um, Prendick, who I think was, he, he ended the, the story sort of um, 
dedicating his life to the sciences and to mm. astronomy. And so, so that's the island of Dr. Moreau is a, is a, a story about um, vivisection and they, okay. they arrive on this island, they're shipwrecked on this, on this character is shipwrecked on this island where these horrific um, experiments are going on, like fusing people and animals. Mm-hmm. Um, so I kind of led it from there. Yeah. yeah. So that, w- that was obviously a big influence. Yes, it's, I just thought. I, yes, I thought it would be fun to, to to make it a little bit ridiculous. When your story um, came along, it actually did some of the work and grounded it in a way that made it. Um, it gave it a little. It, it gave it some focus, I suppose. Mm. Um, we knew then who were the people who were sort of after it, and um, um, I think you were trying to pull it in a particular direction that I pulled it back from. Actually, um, can you remind your, your your part of the story? So, so I was looking at. Uh, the DSTL, which is a, a real science laboratory in Wiltshire that uh, we as the general public know very little about in terms of uh, what goes on there besides the fact that it is owned by the Ministry of Defence. That's right. And that's that's a place that has some biological and chemical warfare yes. connections. Yes, or it, it had maybe in the not past. Warfare, but, uh, <laughs> it definitely did in the past. And, and they would probably hasten us to say that they don't do that anymore. So, you, but you you were taking it in the direction. What what were you hoping from your from your story? Where were you thinking it was going to go? I was I was expecting it to be kind of very real and and this. Um, I I wanted to kind of imagine almost science fiction wise how how close to reality we could get it in terms of we've had this very. Uh, I think letter three was a letter from a doctor about the disease. This kind of this petrification, petrification yeah. yeah, that I think it to me came across as very grounded in reality and I wanted to see how we could develop that. And I also wanted to take it out of Cornwall um, and kind of see, because we'd been focusing for so long on one egg and mm. we had to remember that there were six. So I wanted to sort of look at where they'd originally come from and what was going on there. Yeah, it did take a very very singular turn after that first letter, which was Amy's, wasn't mm. it? Yeah. Um, which set up lots of interesting characters and dynamics. And then the story focused on, like you say, this one egg and where it was and the sort of character relationships around that, mm. while also dropping the, is it the person who wrote that? No, they were writing too, the eBay seller. Yes. So that was the person who obviously had, that was the story that was interesting me. Why, yeah, yeah, yeah. Why are they nesting there? What The fact that there was an aviary, I think, mentioned. Yes, um, there was. All, all of that, that, that sort of intrigued me. And I suppose I was also coming at it from a context of really bad pulp fiction monster novels, <laughs> um, which I did a couple of workshops on last okay. year. Um, I did it with some illustrators and I did it with some writers as well. did it at the Eden Project, um, uh, where, you, where you have... It, there's, there's, it just seems to fit very well in to this, this sort of format, actually, and some of them are, are done as um, correspondence, epistolary. Um, novels, mm. some of those sort of 1920s, 30s, 40s, um, dodgy, dodgy monster stories. Um, so I quite, I thought it would fit quite well in, into that. So maybe I was taking it a bit further re- away from the plausible um, than yours. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, so you mentioned the cockatrice, yes, which is of course <laughs> a, a not a real creature, but is is grounded in this kind of folklorish uh, magic. Almost, yeah. Um, it's a composite creature, which I thought was also a nod to the Island of Doctor Moreau um, composite, and that, that sense of experimentation mm. um, that you introduced really—that there might be something going on in this, that's that's to do with biological 
yeah. uh, weaponry is what I imagined you would. Yeah, I think about. yeah, this biological weaponry was kind of where I was where I was leading it towards, and you kind of introduced that as well by in terms of the terminology that you were using about petrifaction and the the DAI seven and these very specific terminology, which I think took it away from the fantasy in a way and made it more science fiction. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens next. I'm, I'm hoping it'll be something big and open-ended and, and ridiculous. Mm, I mean, we only have <laughs> a few letters left until the end of the series. How many is it? Uh, so you're letter 10 and there's 15. Okay. So uh, it's got to wrap up reasonably soon and I don't I don't envy the people that are having to do that. No, I think, I think we focused the narrative at quite a crucial point then two-thirds of the way through. Mm. Um, so I imagine it's got to explode now and then in the last one come back together in some way. I don't yeah. know. Let's see. Yeah, I mean, Sherry is wrapping it up. Yeah. Uh, so that'll be ex- exciting to see how, how she manages to deal with all of that. I'm thinking um, zombie apocalypse. Yeah, I, I definitely think that something big is, is coming. Uh, I have actually, this is sort of a behind the scenes, I have recorded the episode for the next letter already. So I know what happens okay. after your one. Um, and I won't spoil anything, but <laughs> you, we're heading in that sort of direction. I think that the the one thing I hope, um, I was going to say I hope doesn't happen, but the, what I mean is that might confuse the story further if people is is how much people pick up on that Professor Prendick character because while trying to com- contain the story, begin to contain it and to focus it a little bit more, um, introducing a new character possibly mm. wasn't wise, but we'll, we'll see what <laughs> happens there. Yeah, I mean, that's up to the, the whims of the, the next writers, I suppose. Um, I did want to talk about that kind of Professor Prendick and the relationship that he has with McDonough of this. You mentioned lots of things like the MOS and the Dear Captain and Operation Antler. Um, how much thought did you put into what these actually were or were you just kind of throwing them out there as potential threads to be picked up on? Um, well, they're, they're, they're all grounded in real okay. operations oh, wow. um, <laughs> and investigations. Uh I don't know if I'll be able to remember all the details. And the, cap- the, the captain, I use that. It's a kind of nod towards somebody who was, who was overseeing the, um, the operations there, but I didn't want to sort of really personalise yeah, it too much. Enough. So it's something people can pick up on, but hopefully will be, continue to be fictionalised rather than trying to draw it into the real, yeah. into the, the actual people. I think that could be dangerous. Yes. Legally. Um, so you also talked about uh, this, this idea of scale became quite important in your letter of the the, uh, the scale of what is at stake was mentioned and that containment doesn't seem to be an option anymore. So I really think we are heading in a direction of big national, potentially international storytelling of this, yeah. as this letter kind of explodes outwards towards its conclusion. I can't see it coming back to the very personal stuff we got in the early parts of the series again. No, that's that's. I suppose that has got to open up, hasn't it? Because we we had the story of somebody in the past who, because the doctor, in you said it was the third letter, didn't mm. you? The doctor mentioned a previous example of yeah. this having happened, but yes. that was sort of solved. So that didn't seem too dangerous. But now we put it into this um, developed biological chemical um, weaponizing of this thing. We've made it potentially far more um, virulent, and mm. um, so yes, it could spread very very quickly. That's kind of what's being hinted at, isn't it? Because we've had, in the build-up to this to this um, tenth letter, we've had uh, we've had a, a sort of growth of symptoms and of people being mm. affected. I think so. It's um, 
there were there were people anyone who's in contact with it their children and, and yeah it, it, it it's grown very quickly to the point of like local hospitals being yeah. entirely dedicated to this kind of disease and it's very uh, contagious it seems so yeah and in your letter you've got people trying to shut this down and trying to shut down the story and mm. um, so that that's I think that's a, a natural tension I think that will hopefully be explored yeah so um relating to you your kind of process specifically what uh what did you how did you go about writing this letter how much did you look back how much were you looking forward and obviously you've, you've already mentioned about your kind of previous fictional influences in Arlo de Dr Moreau but were there any other things that kind of came to the front as you were writing I actually wrote it very very quickly um in a morning and I, so I read back everything at once I had thought about it before like I said I was going to be doing one of the letters yeah. earlier on um so I had written some ideas ideas down and um was trying to make some um open up the possibility of getting some moral around around this vivisection and the human animal and, and all of that which i thought could be quite fun um but you really can't be too precious about the, the your contribution here it's not like mm. which is quite different in in um writing process i suppose that you're you're a small part you don't want to be shaping everything you don't we directing everything or trying to impose too much you you're, you're you play your part and, ju and just see what happens and let go of it in, a, in quite a different way which i think is is quite interesting um so trying to focus the story a little bit more was one of the mm -hmm. things i was trying to do here but also leave that ending leave enough threads that um it can it can it can do that thing that i think it possibly needs to do at this time to explode with clarity <laughs> yeah and um, we don't need to be opening too many more mysteries now i don't think we should we're, we're aiming towards I, I suppose a resolution in the narrative arc or at least fighting the thing head on in some way yeah um so so yes i suppose I was, i'm hoping it go it's going some way towards revealing while still still leaving lots of space for uh, adventure and, um, and development mm. it definitely feels like we've kind of as the series has gone on we've we've kind of cut away some of the, the chaff almost of of uh oh, so which pieces are you thinking of being <laughs> well i'm not saying pieces <laughs> specifically what i'm saying is sort of narrative threads that we've we've established because there's been so much content now that we've had 10 letters uh and each one introduces so many different things and only it's really down to the discretion of the next writer as to what gets picked up. Mm. And I mean, you, you know, I picked up on, on some things from the very first letter and so did you. So it's it's not a linear piece. And I think that's really interesting. I've never seen anything quite like this before. It feels very collaborative mm. in a way that uh, in a way that doing an anthology or something doesn't. You were saying about you don't want this to direct the piece in any way, but in, in the way that you would maybe want one... Uh, one piece of writing to stand out in an anthology it's not the case here it's you really do want them all to be sort of balanced which is why i think the letter writing and, and the sort of limit on the words that we've got is makes it kind of um equal in a way mm. that would be like yes yeah, it's, it's an interesting process it'll be interesting to see what the finished thing looks like and um i suppose it's a really interesting process isn't it that's that's the main thing about this it's the process of it that's that's mm really fascinating possibly rather than the final product i'm not sure yeah I, I definitely have enjoyed seeing this process develop and and seeing us kind of really focus in on what this what we were trying to get out of it when we started the process like it was an interesting idea that we were pitched of let's do an epistolary project where everyone writes the next letter mm. but what it's become has 
taught me, I think, a lot more about collaborative storytelling. Um, and I, I, as much as I will be really proud of the finished product and would like to see it kind of compiled together and, and done as one thing, I think it's a really interesting lesson in collaborative storytelling. It'd be it'll also be interesting to see, you you mentioned um, something that it suggested that it that it doesn't work in a linear way or or um, that it's not just a linear story. Mm. Um, I wonder if there's something there. Uh, did you have anything else you wanted to talk about um, with the story? Um, or your process or anything? Or my process. Like I say, the process was quite quick. It was a question of reading through all of the um, all of the pieces that went before. Uh, and sort of highlighting threads that interested me or that, that I could pursue or that, that could feed into it and trying to make sure I didn't do anything like uh, crazily inconsistent, which I don't th I don't think there is. Um, but I think there might be a few bits in the editing of the whole piece that, that, that there are a couple of mm. little um, little moments, um, geographical moments and things where, and shifts um, in some of the earlier ones that I noticed while, when reading them through as a... Yeah, as a whole, yeah, yeah, I definitely did that as well. Um, did you? Did you find? Yeah, I found there was there was a point where an egg magically transferred with other people, uh, despite being left behind. It mm. ended up somewhere else, which suggested that it followed them. Which which I sort of wrote off as an interesting <laughs> piece of of egg rolling, but um, uh, but could have been a mistake. But who knows? Thank you for listening. Please rate, review and subscribe to us on Apple Podcasts. And join us again next time for another Letter of Nest. In the meantime, check out everything else we do at foulwriting.com.